0: Good morning and welcome. I've already managed to mess this up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Claude. Uh, my wife, uh, Meredith, and I are the lead pastors of Centerway. And uh, today I am doing the welcome, and that is not typical. And so I've already messed it up in some ways and will continue to probably mess it up as we move along. <laughs> I want to welcome everybody in the room today, obviously, as well as uh, saying hello to everybody online joining us. We're grateful that you're able to be with us and anybody, of course, watching or listening later on special welcome to any guests that are with us we've prayed for you and uh, really want this to be a low-pressure environment for you so we've developed a few avenues to serve you and answer any questions that may arise today as we go throughout the gathering uh, in fact the next few minutes are primarily for you our guests and so uh, if you want to pay attention to some of the details one way we hope to serve you is by connecting with you so we would absolutely love for you to share your information so we'd be able to follow up with you and uh, Get any feedback from you and so if you choose to leave your information with us uh, we'll send you an email requesting some of that feedback Uh, to anyone not just guests you can also use uh, the card that is in the pew back in front of you or online to uh, just update any information that we uh, may need to update our email list (laughs) oh my gosh I'm terrible at this all right sorry Uh, Everybody else makes it look so easy. So there are two ways to do so first is by hard copy, which Like an idiot. I already mentioned You can fill that info card out in the pocket chair in front of you or you can fill it out Please put it in the offering box in back uh, On your way out the second way is electronically, which I've already alluded to as well uh, if you'd like to complete an info card that way, you can do so on the Next Steps page of our website or by using the Uversion app. Uh, the instructions are on the screen. Uh, the app is also useful during the gathering to follow along, take any notes, and uh, you can even give through that. You can also make Centerway your church. If you have that app and download it, you can select Centerway as your church, and you can connect with people and keep up with any reading plans that we push to the church as a whole if you're interested in doing so. I've already mentioned giving through the app. Of course, we don't expect our our guests to give, but if you attend regularly and prefer not to use the app, you can use the envelope in front of you and place it in the centerway offering box, or you can give by going to the give tab of our website. Today is week four of our In Light and Darkness series that explores the book of Ezra. Ezra goes hand-in-hand with Nehemiah, which is a book from the series we just finished, as well as what we'll return to in January. Uh, But for this Advent series, uh, Ezra will help us see the hope and grace of God, whether we find ourselves in a season of light or a season of darkness. We will, of course, have uh, resources for this series, so you can connect and engage throughout the week. Uh, We have several things. We have wallpapers, Spotify playlists, uh, social media, monday wednesday friday devotionals you can subscribe on the website or by using the card that i've mentioned several times at this point and uh, you can receive monday wednesday uh, friday devotionals that way you can visit of course the messages page of the website to access these resources if you're looking to take a next step you can visit the next steps area in the back uh, at the conclusion of the gathering or on that page of our website there's a number of ways to continue learning to follow jesus and we'd love to help you do so on your journey Uh, We have a lot of exciting things coming up. You can check out our calendar page of the website for upcoming events and activities. You won't want to miss those things. Uh, Just a couple of things that I'm going to point out tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. uh, is our kids' movie night. So there will be a popcorn bar, and we'll be watching a classic version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which is not super long. It's about a half hour or so, 20 minutes. So even younger kids can stay engaged. We encourage you to wear pajamas, the appropriate kind. (laughs) there's so many things there's so many things i want to say they're hilarious but i will say none of them uh, we'll just move on. Uh, you can bring blankets uh, you or whatever else you would like to do to just make it a fun, cozy evening with the family. And, of course, your family is welcome. The, ge- the night is geared toward our center rate kids, which range from six months to sixth grade. But our older siblings and other family members are, of course, welcome to join. Um, if you haven't RSVP'd, please do so. Uh, but if you have not done that, that's just so we can prepare appropriately. If you have not done that, you're, of course, welcome, even if it's the last minute. Please come on out. Um, Also, uh, another thing that I'd like to point out is that our Christmas gathering is just three days away. You have those invites on your seats as well as a couple piles of them if you'd like to take them. Uh, Our kids and students will be singing at that. Uh, There will also be a brief message, a photo booth, uh, cozy snacks and drinks. I don't know what cozy snacks look like, but it says it in my notes, so I'm saying it. It's a cozy snack. It'll be cozy. Uh, We encourage you to invite your friends and family the cozy snack um in fact going up on the screens now is a qr code uh if you scan it with your uh, phone camera you'll get a shareable image that you can also use um the invites that i already mentioned on your seats to uh to invite people feel free to grab more in the back if you'd like they're on the black table and then there's also some at the info center on the way out um, there's so many, uh, people kind of searching at this time of year where they can connect, where they can go for, uh, something festive. And so it's a great opportunity for us to be able to be on mission together and invite some people into God's presence. It's going to be a great evening. You won't want to miss it out. Uh. Won't want to miss it at all. Uh, The one other thing that I will mention is that next Sunday, our gathering is canceled. So for the 24th on Christmas Eve, you should have heard this unless you completely ignore this part other weeks. Um, For Christmas Eve, we encourage you to connect with your family. And so if you show up here at church, um, you could do something in the parking lot, uh, but there will be a sign there and you'll think, what have we done? And your kids will be angry. Um, So we encourage you to spend time with your family. If you want, you can engage online uh, on Sunday. We will be doing a, uh, a repost of our Christmas gathering if you're not able to make it out so uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to spend time with your friends and family um, again check out the calendar page for more information finally if you have questions feedback ideas or need prayer for anything you can always email connect at Centerway Church. we'd love to come alongside you in whatever season you're in and see how we can serve you Now, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. Uh, Eric, who is one of our internal elders, uh, is going to be communicating from the Bible. And so super excited about any time he is uh, communicating. Brian will be reading from the scripture text for today. And then after that, we'll respond to the word by worshiping through singing. And so I did it. I did the welcome. Let's pray. (laughs) Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we have the opportunity to be in your presence today, that we have the opportunity to gather. And as we go into this holiday season, Lord, would we just remain focused on who you are, on that which you have done, and that we would find joy uh, in you and you alone. Would your presence rest in this place as we continue throughout so that we can have an encounter with the living God forever changed. In your name we pray, amen. Brian? Amen. Thank you, Claude. Eric and I will do
1: our best to pull this thing back together. Um, <laughs> sorry. My name is Brian. I'll be reading uh, our scripture for this morning. Um, you can follow along on the screens uh, in the YouVersion app, as Claude mentioned a couple of times, um, or in a good old-fashioned Bible, or I'm sure there's probably a way I'm forgetting. Uh, Ezra 6, verse 16 uh, and 17. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the returned exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the
2: tribes of Israel. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Nice work, everybody. (laughs) <laughs> Good morning. Uh, my name is Eric, and I think we're close enough to the holiday now so I can say Merry Christmas to you. Uh, so single digits are the cutoff, though, since we're less than 10 days away. Uh, we can officially now say that. Anything before that was illegal to say Merry Christmas. So just so you know, and um, uh, same with New Year's. I want to get it out right now because we don't have church next week. The following week is New Year's Eve. Uh, When you say Happy New Year in January, you can only say it in single digits, okay? Just so you know, uh, anything after uh, 10 days is not cool, very illegal, and you can only say it one time to somebody. I can't come home after work and say uh, Happy New Year to my wife several times, she'll knock me into the next year. So uh, anyway, just Mary Chris was grateful and excited to be up on um, this platform here and excited about all the changes to the building. If you're not with us uh, in the building, we've got some really cool things happening and you're missing out. I'd love for you to be here. Uh, But as was mentioned already, we're going through a series um, in the book of Ezra called In Light and Darkness. And today's message is entitled We Worship. So, in light and darkness, we worship. And you would be right in thinking uh, that Centerway might be the only church in the world looking at Ezra for Christmas time. And uh, I promise that's by design, and it's uh, it makes sense for this church um, in this season for what we're experiencing right now. And we're going to get into those reasons in just a bit. Uh, before we begin, though, I do wanna address the elephant in the room. I know you can probably feel it in here. Uh, we're really close to Christmas and no one's asked me what I want for Christmas. Pretty, thank you. I'm pretty pretty upset about it. So you know how that goes. Thank you. Uh, so since I have a microphone turned on, I'm gonna tell you what I want for Christmas. You can take it or leave it, you know, depending on if you know me or, uh, or not. Um, in the past, my Christmas list, has never been super long. I've always wanted that one thing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care what else I get as long as I get that one thing. And so back in the day, I wanted a Nintendo, an 8-bit Nintendo. And if it had Super Mario with it, even better. So one year for Christmas, I got a Nintendo with Super Mario and Duck Hunt on the cartridge combined. It was amazing. It was, it was amazing. So great Christmas. Absolutely. Uh, there was one year, uh, all I wanted was a Hot Licks guitar. And if you don't know what a Lux guitar is, it's a guitar, but better because it didn't have any strings, you know, it just had a buttons that you push. And so you're on there and you just push the button. You can rock it out. I got that. And that was pretty fun. Uh, As I became a college student, it was like things like peanut butter, you know, (laughs) for Christmas and stuff. Uh, But now my list is a little bit longer than that. I want a few things. Uh, The first thing is I just want my kids to sleep. I would love, I have three boys. Uh, Isaac is here, he does a great job. Uh, but uh, the other boys, like, I want them to sleep more than uh, three hours at a time. Like, not melatonin sleep. Like, if I get melatonin for Christmas, that's great, you know? Uh, but I mean, like, sleep eight hours, nine hours at a time, past 5 a.m. That would be amazing. Uh, another thing I want for Christmas is I, I want to be bored. I miss it. I miss being bored. Like, when you're a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. You're going to miss these days, uh, just to let you know if you're younger than me. I miss the feeling of having nothing to do and just wondering what I should be doing with my time. Like, how how should I be spending my time, right? That's the thing I want for Christmas. Here's what I really want. I want to grab my phone and, for once, not click on a notification that makes me forget why I grabbed my phone in the first place, you know? Just hit the notification and five minutes later go, Why did I pick my phone up? What the heck? I know I was doing something, you know? That would be amazing. That's the kind of situation that I find myself in in my life. And I want to ask you a question very similar that actually reveals a little bit about where you are emotionally this holiday season. We'll put it up on the screen. What would your perfect Christmas look like? What would your perfect Christmas look like? Uh, Depending on uh, what part of life you're in, uh, what season you find yourself right now, I think that uh, every single person in this room has maybe a different kind of answer. Uh, But the reason I wanted you to think about that, and we're going to talk about that as our time goes on in Ezra, uh, is because whatever comes to your mind right now is uh, probably likely uh, what your life is lacking (laughs) in right now. So if you think, let's say you're thinking about ah, like a traditional kind of friends and family by the light of a Christmas tree, uh, eating Christmas cookies, like that's really what I want. Chances are your family is pulled in a whole bunch of different directions and you can't even find time to eat a meal together. So you're like, oh, that would be, that would be amazing, you know. Uh, maybe you just want that perfect person. In the perfect setting, and it doesn't really matter what's under the tree or anything like that, uh, as long as that perfect person's with you in the right setting. And uh, probably emotionally, you feel like lonely, you know, which is understandable this time of the year, uh, or that you have uh, this rut in your life that you want to get out of, and so you start thinking about uh, the perfect scenario. Uh, maybe. Similar to me, you want to be on the couch all Christmas binge-watching movies, you know? Uh, And that probably means that your day is filled with decisions and obligations that you have to address. You've got to get done. The to-do list, you go through it, and then by the end of the day, it's longer than when it started somehow. Um, And so I get that. You just want to shut your brain off. I get it. Uh, Or maybe, uh, probably, if you're younger than I am, uh, you will probably want that one gift under the tree, right? Maybe you want that one gift in the garage. It would be really nice. Maybe you want that one gift in the marina. That would be really cool too, you know. Uh, or that one gift in the Caribbean. Hey, my wife and I, are, we're free the, the week of Christmas. If you got that one gift in the Caribbean, you can just let us know and we'll, uh, we'll be happy to uh, make sure that you're not lonely for sure. Uh, so what would your perfect Christmas look like? Now, here's what I want to do. I, I want to ease your mind a little bit up front. Uh, I want you to know before we go on that this is not a message about how the picture of your perfect Christmas is flawed or wrong in any way, or how you should feel bad about picturing what you do. And the Bible says that you need to change it by any means. That's not what, what's going to happen here. In fact, I do pray that you get the picture of your perfect Christmas. I really do. I mean, within reason, you know, of course. Uh, but instead, my hope. To today uh, as we go through Ezra is, um, to show you how, uh, God's picture of your perfect Christmas, uh, will bring so much more joy and much more peace than we can even imagine. Um, Ezra challenges our definition of the word perfect even. And so I, I want to make sure that as we go through our text today, uh, that those are the things on our mind as we as we move forward. And so if you haven't been with us, if you're new uh, to Centerway, or if you missed the week, I do want to quickly recap the story of Ezra up to this passage so far, uh, because it's kind of linked. In fact, uh, Ezra is the story of exiles who had to leave their country by force, uh, but then they returned. And so it's kind of a roller coaster ride that we've been on for these past few weeks. And so uh, these exiles were able to return back to their country and then to lay the foundation of the temple that God had prophesied through the prophets was going to be rebuilt. And so we started off, they're back, and they laid the foundation of the temple. Woohoo! Exciting stuff. But then some remembered the grandeur of the old original sound Solomon's Temple, uh, and they saw how small the foundation was, and there was weeping and there was sadness. And, blah, blah. and so, besides that, the work continued on, and so we're we're moving ahead here until uh, the opponents of God's people begin to lie and intimidate their way into basically bullying the people to stop building the building from being completed. So, just when you think we're excited again, oh, phew, the work stops. We're back down in the lows in the in the darkness of the season, and for fifteen to seventeen years or so, uh, the work had stopped but just when you think well that 's it god 's not going to do anything else on our behalf. I guess we missed God in, in this moment here. King Darius in Persia dec- decreed that not only should the work resume. But it also should resume with Persian funds. So money from a different source was going to fund this temple. So we're at the highest of highs at this point. We've gone up and down. And so we find ourselves with the Israelites this morning at the top of that roller coaster, right? Uh, we've been in darkness and light. We've been in lows and highs. Uh, and now the temple is finally built. How exciting. Now, the consensus among scholars is that it probably took about four years uh, from King Darius's decree to finish the temple there. And so if you account for the foundation being laid and for the 15 or so years that the work had stopped, that was about 20 years of the temple being built, 20 years in the making for this, this particular moment that we're looking at this morning. That's 20 years of dreaming and 20 years of hoping 20 years of change plans and wondering uh, if God was up to something, if he was up to anything at all. 20 years of imagining what it would be like once the job was done. And we've probably all been in that situation where we said, okay, here's a long-term goal of mine, and then I wonder what life is going to be like when. I wonder what life is going to be like if. And that day comes, and all of a sudden, we can check that off the list, and the goal is achieved, and uh, it's a super exciting moment. And so... That day came when that last brick was put in place and the final furniture piece uh, was set. And that moment for the Israelites was probably a lot like experiencing the perfect Christmas for us, right? Where everything just kind of falls into place the way you dream it to, the way you kind of hope that it does after maybe even decades of toil and setbacks. And so they did what you and I would do, probably. They threw a party. They, they ended up throwing a party. But it wasn't just any party. They didn't just say, phew, temple's done, let's move on. No, they were able to throw a party, and it was a worship party. Now, for some people, that doesn't go hand in hand, right? Worship and party, they don't go hand in hand. But the pretty cool thing about this is that you can see a sense that worship led to this incredible joy. And joy led to this incredible worship. There was a a reciprocal effect that was happening here. So let's check out Ezra again, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. I know we just looked at it, but let's look at it again. It says this. And the people of Israel, the priests and the Levites and the rest of the return exiles celebrated the dedication of this house of God with joy. They offered at the dedication of this house of God, a hundred bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs. And as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. So one of the things that we notice is that there seems like there's a lot of animals here. You know, we've got triple digits worth of animals being sacrificed, which sounds like a heck of a lot. Uh, ended up, if I'm doing the math right, uh, we've got about uh, 712 or so uh, kinds of animals. And it wasn't just the religious elite that were throwing this party, right? Uh, everybody, all of Israel was represented by the, the 12 uh, male goats, one for every tribe of Israel. All the people were there. Everybody was on hand uh, to dedicate the building. And verse 16 says that everyone was joyful as they did. I think that's really important, the idea of being joyful as they, as they worship, because it reminds us that the temple wasn't uh, just something that they completed. It was actually a symbol of their national identity and as their identity as a people of God. And so God was fulfilling his promise uh, in this building of the temple that the exiles would be successful in their work. But the temple represented Not just that, but it also represented God's desire to connect with his people. And so finally, again, uh, there was a place where heaven and earth could connect. They weren't just filled with joy because the project was finished. It was a truly significant day, a truly significant thing that they were celebrating. But remember how we said that, uh, the foundation that was laid was significantly smaller than Solomon's temple. Um, that temple was dedicated to. So the reason they're, they're dedicating this temple well, partly was because Solomon's temple had been dedicated. And so they knew that that's what was expected. Of course, that they probably would have anyway. Uh, but they remembered, hey, Solomon dedicated his temple with all the people. Let's do the same thing too. But if you look back uh, in the Bible to where Solomon's temple was being dedicated, that dedication was on an astronomically higher scale than the Israelites were able to achieve now that they're back from exile. So verse 17 said, remember, 100 bulls, 200 rams, and 400 lambs. Now look at what Solomon sacrificed to the Lord uh, at his temple dedication. So 1 Kings 8:63 says this, Solomon offered as peace offerings to the Lord 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. Wow. Compared to Solomon's day, this dedication was smaller on a scale of 1 200th the size 0.5%, half of a percent, uh, the dedication was compared to Solomon's day. So that's like when, uh, Clark Griswold thought he was going to get, uh, a Christmas bonus large enough to install a pool Instead, he got a jelly of the month club that he was enrolled in. You know, that's exactly what it is. And, uh, if you don't get the reference, uh, don't ask my wife later. She'll be mad at me for this. I think <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> but there was joy. Here's what I love about this. It was a small dedication compared to Solomon, but there was still joy. Not because of what they had, but because of what it meant to have it. I think I'm going to say that again. Uh, there was joy there, not because of what they had, but because of what it meant to have that thing. Man. That's a cool place to be. That's a really cool place to be because the joy came from knowing that God still keeps his promises even when it doesn't seem possible that he could come through. That's what happened in this moment here. Wasn't as as grand as they uh, remember But God was keeping his promise. And so there was joy there. The joy came from recognizing that God did the work that was necessary to complete it. Miraculous and amazing work. Remember, there wasn't any way that the the project was gonna resume because they were intimidated into stopping the work. They were forced to stop the work politically. And so unless God showed up, It wasn't gonna happen and he showed up. So there was joy there. Joy was experienced because of the truth that there was again a way for heaven and earth to overlap and a place where broken people could encounter the healing presence of God. That's where the joy came from. And that's what led to worship. And as they worshiped, there was this joy of understanding what was happening in their world. Maybe when you... Thought about your perfect Christmas a little bit ago, uh, you looked back to past Christmases. And you thought, you know what my perfect Christmas would be? If I could just have that experience again. If I could go back to 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever your time frame is, uh, and you thought about the day where it seemed like you had. 200 times the amount of family and friends, right? 200 times the amount of food and 200 times the laughter and the special moments. And you just want to go back to those days because those were the glory days, right? Those were the days where uh, everything seemed like they were perfect and there were things in your life that just now you you would give anything for. People you love. Places you love, circumstances that matter to you that you no longer have for one reason or another. And it's really, really tempting to look back and say, my perfect Christmas is simple. I just wish I had what I used to have. This year, it's not gonna be nearly the size, nearly the scope, nearly as grand as I wish that it would be. Now, according to this text, They were still filled with joy as they worshiped and dedicated the temple back to God for his glory. So uh, in today's world, just like back then, there is a real temptation to celebrate and to be joyful just because we got all this stuff, right? The Israelites could have been tempted to rejoice because they got the work done. We checked the box off. We had a goal, and it was achieved. In other words, there was temptation there to rejoice because they got what they wanted, right? And if we're not careful, we too can fall into that trap of getting what we want and thinking that getting what we want is the key to the good life. That man, if we just had that image of the perfect Christmas come to life, if it became a reality for us in this season, then everything will be as it should be. And if we're not careful, we could believe a lie that getting what we want is an indicator of God's blessing or approval for our life. And if I could use this time as a confession for a moment, uh, way too many times in my life I've believed the lie that when I don't get what I pray for on my timetable, it's an indication that God is apathetic toward my circumstances, or he might be angry at me for something. And listen, I know that it's terrible theology, I know it in my head, but I also live in this world. And this world says that in order to live your best life, you got to have things and you got to achieve goals. That's what this life will tell you. That's what this world will tell you. And I, we live in this world. And so it creeps into my relationship with Jesus from time to time. It creeps into my theology, this idea that joy comes from obtaining the image of the perfect Christmas or the resurrection of the good old days, maybe. Or the thought that I'm just missing that one piece. And if I just had that one thing for Christmas, then everything is going to be as it should be. And that's where uh, everything changes for me, right? But man, I am so grateful for Ezra. I'm so grateful for this story and for his reminder that it's not what I have. It's what it means to have that thing. That whatever I've been given can be dedicated to the Lord. And in that dedication is where joy can be found. where joy can be found. Now, you can look at what you have in this season, and you can see a poor substitute for the original. You can say, well, it's not going to happen this year, so maybe next year, Right? I have a poor substitute for what I was hoping to get. So maybe next year you could long for the good old days and you could long for the bigger and grander things of old or, or you could dedicate the things that you do have to the Lord and watch that kind of worship unlock a joy in your heart that nothing can take away. You can watch that unlock a joy that nothing can take away as you give that thing to the Lord, as you dedicate it as the Israelites did and watch that worship change the atmosphere. Because if you have the perspective that what you have is actually from the Lord, then you're gonna be okay with joyfully dedicating it for whatever purpose he has in mind for it, right? Dedicating the temple of the Lord might seem like a really weird thing. Like, of course, you're going to dedicate the temple, right? It's temple is where God resides. It's his temple. It's for him. And so you're going to dedicate that thing because that's just what you do to spiritual places, right? I'm sure this building was dedicated. I'm sure that uh, whatever buildings that are used for religious purposes have been dedicated. And so, like, that's kind of what you do. But what the Israelites were actually doing, they were remembering the faithfulness of God of old They were saying, God, still in this moment, you have been faithful. And it was their way of showing that even though they built it with their own hands, that it wasn't theirs to decide how to use it, right? They didn't say, we built this temple. And so now, God, here are the rules for living in it, right? And if you don't like my rules, then I will take this building down. I set it up and I can take it down, right? Like some kind of curmudgeon old, you know, grandparents or great-grandparents, something like that. But the reality is, is that when you dedicate something to the Lord, you're saying, this is yours, <laughs> right? I don't get to decide how it's used. I don't get to decide uh, what you do with it. It's yours. When we dedicated our twins to the Lord, we said, these kids are yours, right? Uh, I don't get to keep them from you and from your plans and from your will, They're yours, so Lord, do with them what you want. And there are times where I've wondered, man, should I have just kept him to myself, right? Uh, Because God does really interesting and unique things in ways that I don't always understand. But there has never been a moment where I've regretted saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with my one and only life and with the life of my kids and with my family. When you dedicate something to the Lord, you're declaring that that thing might be in your possession, but God gets to decide what happens with it. And honestly, as we see in Ezra, that is such a joyful place to be. It really is a joyful place and a joyful perspective to have. What they were doing in that moment was actually pointing to Advent in a really, really cool way. Uh, They were dedicating a place to the presence of God. um, And they were saying, God, with this place, we can now experience a bit of heaven right here on earth. In order to experience that though, you kinda had to be in the right place, the single place, right? And you kinda had to be from a single people group, right? You had to be uh, these people and you had to go to this place and you had to perform the necessary rituals in order to be pure enough to come before him. But if you met that criteria, very specific criteria, then you could experience the presence of God. And so as they dedicated the temple, what they actually were doing was saying, yes, this thing is imperfect. But through the lens of scripture, we can see that they were also pointing ahead to just about a little over 500 years later when an angel would announce to shepherds that a baby would be born for all people would be born for all people. And Jesus entered our world so that we could experience his presence, the presence of God, wherever we went. Because he lived a perfect life and he made the perfect sacrifice on the cross so that the specifications of the law could be met in him. And one of the things that I often hear and I agree with is that the gospel uh, isn't exclusive, Right? but it is specific. So sometimes in our culture, in the 21st century, we hear, well, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the father through him. Ugh! how exclusive is that? Come on. You don't want to be exclusive. And we say, no, Everyone can come. It's no longer you have to go to a city in the Middle East. No longer do you have to have a specific bloodline and go through a specific purification ritual. Anyone and everyone, regardless of how pure and impure you are, can approach the presence of God through Jesus. But the gospel is specific. We can't just say, hey, you think you're a good person? Come on in, right? Uh, You think that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? Come on in. The gospel is offensive because the gospel is specific, that Jesus is the way to the Father. And as we approach this Advent season, what we're saying is, God, Jesus came so that I could have a relationship with you. And, as I follow Jesus as He becomes the Lord, as I dedicate my life to the Lord, then everything begins to fall into place, and joy, true joy, can be found regardless of what Christmas looks like to me. The stuff that we get at Christmas time, the experiences that we have at Christmas time, they will bring a kind of excitement for a while, you know the presents and the, the things and all that stuff, but True joy comes from from watching God do the miraculous when you give control to him. If you were to ask me what my perfect Christmas would look like around two years ago right now, my answer would be very, very simple. I just want my son home uh, for Christmas. Uh, It was just after Halloween, a couple weeks after Halloween uh, two years ago, that uh, Eli, uh, my now 14-year-old son... uh, Twin son of Isaac's um, was in the hospital. He just—he has cerebral palsy and another condition that, on paper, is degenerative. Um, you know, it gives you an expiration date that's a lot shorter than you would you would hope uh, with for your actual body. Uh, but this kid, his eyes light right up, and there's joy—you can tell—in uh, my in my son Eli. He was in the hospital a few weeks after uh, Halloween, and this one was a little bit different. He just, he couldn't keep his oxygen up, right? Uh, he came in, we, he was on uh, oxygen kind of through his nose. Then it didn't take very long before he had this scuba mask, basically. It was air pressured, and it just pumps oxygen into your face, right? So if you're breathing through your nose or through your mouth, you get oxygen. Well, that kind of worked at times. It didn't work at times, Eli ended up having issues with his lungs they had to drain his lungs through a tube and all of these different things and things weren't really working the way that we had hoped that they would work past Thanksgiving. And his birthday is November 30th. So through his birthday and through the Advent season, and uh, I'll never forget it, it was uh, like 4.30 or 5 in the morning on Christmas Eve when I got a call from my wife who was there at the hospital with him. This is, you know, during the really like stringent COVID restrictions where one person could be at the bedside, uh, you know, all of those different things. And so uh, Deja spent a lot of time there overnight since she called and said, He's just not doing well. They put the highest pressure you can put on him. Uh, there's nowhere else to go, and his oxygen just dipping, just dipping. Christmas Eve, two years ago. And so I went up there as fast as I could. I think my mom was, was helping out. And um, his, we were just watching his oxygen dip down to, like, deadly levels. And so the doctor looked us in the eye, and they, she said, this is likely your son's last day on earth you know, unless, unless we do something drastic. One thing I forgot to mention was that uh, shortly after we got to the um, hospital, they said, uh, he probably needs a trach, a tracheotomy, uh, but he probably won't survive it, you know, so you can do it, but he won't survive it. And we were like, well, why would we do it? (laughs) Why? Like, oh, he needs something that is going to kill him. So we should go ahead maybe, you know? And we're like, no, (laughs) you shouldn't do that. And so Christmas Eve is when they said, this is his only shot. He used to to do a tracheotomy. We said, okay. And they didn't rush him right into surgery or anything like that. We had some time with him. And so in the morning, uh, you know, obviously it was morning, uh, we said, If this is your last day on earth, Eli, we're gonna spend it worshiping the Lord. And uh, rather than being angry at God, uh, there were seasons of that in my own life. I'm not gonna speak for Deidre, but seasons in my own life uh, like that. But that moment was filled with worship. And man, I wish I could articulate the peace that was in that room. And I can't explain it. You know, I was a Bible major. Uh, I went to Houghton uh, as a Bible major, I was in ministry, been in ministry for a couple decades now. I've known the Lord for almost 40 years of my life, which is crazy to say, right? So I know what the Bible says about peace and stuff, but I can't express to you the peace that was in that room when we said, God, we dedicate our son to you. He's yours. Do with him whatever you will. And many of you know Eli, you know that the story is happy <laughs> that we ended up going through that. Uh, I think it was the beginning of November he was in, he ended up having uh, a trach surgery. He had got uh, intubated on Christmas Eve. Uh, he had the trach surgery in the beginning of January, I believe, uh, and then he was he came out february twenty second two twenty two twenty two so i 'll we'll never forget that day for sure uh, several months lots of highs and lows, but the most peace i 've ever experienced in my own life is when I was saying goodbye to my eleven year old or twelve year old at the time son uh, and saying god he 's yours the the sense of god 's spirit and presence in there was completely overwhelming and so uh, last year christmas twenty twenty two this last year if you said What does your perfect Christmas look like? I would say, I've got it. (laughs) I've got it. The five of us in one room, my wife and I and three kids, we're just going to be in one room for Christmas. Probably not going to do much. We're probably going to sit around watching movies, right? Uh, But we were all in the same place at the same time on Christmas. And that was perfect. It was my perfect Christmas. I thought back to the times where Christmas meant there wasn't a lot of presents under the tree, we were frosting Christmas cookies and watching Charlie Brown, like that was it. But man, how you long for that moment when you're at a hospital bed, right? And so I'm, I know that each and every one of you could walk up to this platform and share your story of pain and your story of heartache in the midst of a season that is supposed to be light, right? There's darkness in the midst of a season at times like that. But I also know that Uh, God is not punishing you by allowing you to walk through the darkness. And I also know that when you dedicate your gift, your whatever, to the Lord, uh, there's a worship and a peace and a joy that happens in that moment that you will not be able to explain and you won't be able to comprehend, but you'll be able to sense. Worship changed the atmosphere and it changed our perspective And that's exactly what we need when we're walking through a series of light and a series of darkness. Now, don't get me wrong, I am not saying that when we give, when we dedicate Eli to the Lord, we dedicate our kids or whatever it is, that we'll love them less, right? We'll love Jesus more and we'll love our stuff less. That's not what happened. In fact, uh, I will say this, when we dedicated Eli to the Lord, we loved him more. When we gave him up and said, he's yours, we loved him even more, right? But our love for God grew exponentially, exponentially, and our understanding that He makes all things new. And as I, I think about that song, uh, "Hark, the Herald Angels Sing," there's this um, uh, stanza. Every year, I get emotional about it. You know, I probably say it every year to uh, to people at Centerway. Uh, Mild, He lays His glory by. Born that man, no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's a reality in my life. It's not just a, a neat theological song you know, to sing. That's a reality in my life. And every time I think of it, I think of my kids and think there will be a day where they are walking and they are talking and they're rejoicing and they're celebrating. We're going to have conversations about life and all of those kind of cool things one day because of Jesus, because the baby was born in the manger. So what does your perfect Christmas look like? When you dedicate your life to the Lord, even the things that seem imperfect can fill your life with joy. What's your definition of perfect in this season? I actually think that the perfect way to respond to this text this morning is by worship. And now at Centerway, we authentically believe that the text requires something of us. We really do. And so uh, as we move toward a time of response and worship, I have a question that I'd love for you to consider uh, as Advent continues and our activities kind of ramp up during this holiday season. And the question is this, what do I need to joyfully dedicate to the Lord this season? What do I need to joyfully dedicate to the Lord this season? What is it that I've been putting too much pressure on to give me joy or hope or peace? What is it that I need to give to the Lord in dedication to say, I've, I was hoping that this one thing was going to fill all of my needs, but instead I realized that I need to give it to you. What have I been worshiping instead of God in the hopes that it will give my life some kind of identity uh, or meaning or purpose or whatever it would be? Now, for some of us in the room, for some of us that are watching right now online, the answer is really, really clear. I need to joyfully dedicate my life to the Lord. I've never committed my life to him, uh, to the Lord Jesus, and today will be a day that I relinquish control of my life. I know there are people in this room right now that have never said yes to Jesus and never said, dedicate? Why would I dedicate my life to the Lord? He doesn't even exist, right? What do I need to to joyfully dedicate? What do I need to consider, if that's you, what do I need to consider uh, would be a reality if God were speaking to me in this moment today? For others of us, it might mean that I need to joyfully dedicate my dream of what Christmas should look like. Like I said before, it's fine to have that picture. Nobody's trying to take that picture away from you. Uh, It's fine to work toward that goal. But if you expect that dream to fill a void in your life that only God can fill, even if you get that dream, it'll still leave you disappointed in the end. So what is it that I need to joyfully dedicate to the Lord this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And um, you don't need to close your eyes unless you're going to get distracted uh, by the worship team coming up and some other people moving around a little bit. I am going to pray In this moment, just going to ask God to reveal to us what it is that we need to give back to Him. But I also know that uh, there's people in both seasons. They're in light right now. They're excited about what the future is holding, what this season brings. And there's also people in darkness right now. And we have different needs from the Lord in this moment. And so as we pray, we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to meet us where we are not to make us feel guilty for for it, not to make us uh, wish that we had something else or anything like that, but just wherever we are in this moment that the spirit would meet us as we move toward a time of of response. If you're uh, watching right now live online, you can click request prayer and you'll be uh, entered into a private chat room with uh, a pastor who will pray with you and just kind of walk you through some of that stuff as well. But let's just really believe God that uh, he is going to bring a joy through worship uh, that only he can bring. So Heavenly Father, wherever we find ourselves in this season, we are thankful. We're thankful not because of the pain and not because of the way that we've idolized some things, Lord God, but because you have met us here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's joy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so today we recognize that everything that we have is from you that everything we have is a result of the miracle working power of the Lord in our lives, the air that we have in our lungs, the beating of our heart even now. We didn't orchestrate that. It comes from you. So today, God, we give back to you those things that you have so graciously given to us. We dedicate them to you. We dedicate the work of our hands. We dedicate the dreams of our heart. We dedicate the joy of our lives, O oh God. Whatever we have under the the tree right now, Lord Jesus, we dedicate these things to you and ask you, Lord God, uh, to use them as you will, Father. I thank you that when uh, you are first in our lives, that everything else falls into place and that there's joy as we navigate those things. But you never ask us to feel guilty for uh, the joy that we have because we know that it's from you. But Lord, we recognize that if you're not first place, If we don't uh, want to get our hope from you, we'll try to get it from somebody else or from something else or from someplace else. And that'll cause destruction. So today we joyfully give you our lives and we joyfully enter into a season of worship. Father, use us as you will. Do in us whatever you want, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Worship the Lord. You know, Senator, we're very specific to um, Two songs that go right along with the message To kind of give voice to what we're talking about And I want you to resist the temptation To think oh this first song is just a Christmas song um, It actually points back to the, the Old Testament Israelites And um, what Jesus has done for them But it points to the joy of serving Jesus as well So let sing this first song together Come And I consider when she
2: He is so good. And because once you offer it to Him, He does incredible things so that we can stand in awe of the work that He does. Far more than we could ever do, right? He brings far more joy from our circumstances than we could ever uh, muster up on our own. So as we dedicate this time to Him and prepare our hearts for this coming week, do uh, we have that perspective that we would surrender whatever it would be that He would ask us to for His glory and our journey. God, today do stand in awe. The miracle of Christmas means that whatever situations we go through, we can have joy on the other side. We thank you, God, that you walk with us in darkness and in light, and no matter where we find ourselves, you are good and you're faithful. and we can have joy in the midst of what it is that you're leading us through. Today, God, we choose to walk in that joy, and we say yes to your way. God, we dedicate joyfully, that thing to you. God, as we consider that this week, I pray you would be with us. God, that uh, you would be in our our parties and our conversations and the festivities and the uh, the running around and the, the peaceful times, whatever they may look like, Lord. But God, as we meet again, I pray, Jesus, that we would meet with a joy that would change this world for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As I already mentioned, I hope you, those of you that have students will be able to come back here tonight and celebrate. Uh, this Wednesday is our Christmas gathering. Make sure you grab an invite on your seat. Looking forward to seeing you this week. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be available. Uh, but God bless you as you leave, and have a very, very Merry Christmas.
1: All to Christ alone.